In the Roman Missal, now it says that a brief homily is given. So we'll see how it goes. My seminary professor also said that on big solemnities like this, there's often a desire to preach more, to explain more. But just let the liturgy speak for itself. So I'd like to, like to do that in some ways. But first, a short story. I was in junior high, I think, about junior high. I was vi- up visiting my cousin up in Superior, and it was over Easter, and really enjoyed that on occasion, being able to go up there. And, and so my aunt asked us, well, do we want to go to Mass Saturday night, or do we want to go on Sunday? And I thought, let's just get it over with. You know, let's just get it over with. Let's just go Saturday night. That way we can sleep in on Easter Sunday. Don't have to worry about it. Eat all the jelly belly, you know, jelly beans I want, and, and we'll be good. So I kind of drove that forward and like, okay, well, we'll go. I, I didn't realize that Saturday night for Easter was different than every other normal Saturday night. <laughs> and so as the liturgy got longer and longer and longer, I became more and more disengaged. I hope that's not your experience. I hope that's not your experience, that you knew that it was going to be a little bit different tonight. We start late tonight because on vigils, uh, the vigil, kind of the Saturday night vigil, actually comes from a Jewish tradition that was adopted after Vatican II that allows us to recognize that for the Jewish calendar, the next day actually starts at sundown. And so we kind of anticipate that a little bit on normal Saturdays. But for the Easter Vigil, we kind of hold the line. We say, wait, no, no, we're going to wait until the sun actually goes down until it's the next day. And so at 8.30 approximately, we started Sunday. And so in that anticipation, knowing that Jesus Christ rose some point during the night on Sunday, we celebrate his resurrection today. It's especially late this year because Easter is so late. Uh, But that's why we wait until that point. It also gives us a vivid uh, witness of what light does. We live in a culture where we just have light all the time, right? You flip on the switches and, and you don't really have to worry about the darkness. You don't see the way that light pierces in the darkness because we have so much light around us. But in darkness, we see how powerful even a small light is. Where I hope that you saw it when walking the procession over where we had the three main lights and one backup in case of those blew out. Uh, but those four lights walking over and the way that they kind of shone in the darkness. Now, I was supposed to light my candle after right away at the beginning, the priest, and sorry, Father Dave, I forgot to light yours as well. Uh, but we were supposed to light ours there and then walk halfway in. Now, for those who were coming in, I'm sure it was a little bit difficult getting in, right? We had some light in the middle of the church, but otherwise it was dark. And it was difficult to see, difficult to know, wait, which pew was I in before? Is this one, this? And, and you're kind of moving a little bit slower, right? But what was amazing is the way that when we started lighting the lights the way that the entire church just lit up. And all of a sudden, this darkness that you couldn't really see that far, you couldn't see what is in front of you, all of a sudden you could see the entire church. Now what what does that tell us? Well, it tells us about the power of light in darkness. And sometimes we can seem as though the darkness overcomes the light, right? We look out into the world and we see so much darkness, and we think... 
it's just going to overtake the light. But we realize the way that the light can shine and spread so easily. We kind of take the, the threefold step in the way that Jesus Christ, of course, is the light of the world. This entire liturgy, in some ways, is beautifully kind of uh, revolves around the Paschal candle, the light of Christ that will light for every Sunday celebration and on other special days will light that candle because that candle represents Christ. Whenever we incense, we also, when, uh, although we don't do it too often, we'll do it today, I'll incense the altar, which if you're in Birchwood, it says the altar is Christ, right? But the candles are also Christ. And so I'll incense the altar, I'll incense the cross, and I'll also incense the candles. Because the candles are that important. The exultant, when we sing, when we start out, it's all about the, well, it's not all about the candles, it's all about salvation history, uh, but it has a huge part talking about even the bees that made the wax for these sacred candles. The candles are a big deal. On this night, on this night, on this night. We started and Christ, the light, pierced in the darkness. And first, the light transferred at the entrance, or was supposed to be at the entrance, to the priests. Now, it's not because the priests are the only ones who have the light of Christ, but because we realize that Jesus first passed his light onto his apostles, who he chose as his twelve, which were the start of the bishops, the start of his church, whose mission it was to light everyone else's, to light the entire world, right? And so we see the light of Christ come into the church, the light of the priests, but yet that's not enough for this church. That's not enough for the world. We need to light other lights. We need to light other candles. Now I found it interesting. I was trying to light one of the other candles at the beginning and uh, to, to the backup candle that we had in case if one of those blew out. And I tried to make all the effort to light that candle, and I actually tipped mine upside down to put it in, in the globe, and my candle went out. I was like, well, shoot, well, what did, what did I do wrong? Like, I bend it over backwards to light this other light, and my light went out. I had to relight from, from Christ, right? And try it again. And this time, Vern, thankfully, piped in, and he said, you know, Turn, you know, angle it a little bit. You gotta, you gotta angle it a little bit. You know, you gotta meet them halfway there. We gotta change in some ways. When we try to, if we just try to light each other's candles, being completely rigid and not, not bending at all, right? Not turning to the other, not changing our ways in some ways, right? Being lit by Christ is, is actually obligates us in order to be lit by the light of Christ. We need to change. We can't continue to just be our rigid self and ignore those around us. But in order to be changed, we need to, in some ways, bend over, right? As well as the other person kind of bend over in order to be able to light those candles from each other. But with that candle, it spreads, right? And we see within the church that this beautifully kind of imitates the church in the way that, right, first to the apostles, then to those around him, and then to the ends of the world. 
That we should never, as Christians, even in the darkest times, even in the greatest persecutions, even in the greatest scandals, that we understand that if we believe that Jesus Christ rose from crucifixion and death, he descended into the depths of hell and rose again and ascended to the Father, and if we believe that he did start the church, that no darkness can overcome it. No darkness can quench the light of Christ. And we have an obligation as being baptized Christians, as receiving the light of Christ in our baptism, to continue to spread it out and share it with those to the entire world. The apostles just started with 12. Well, actually, one of them right away sniffed out, right? Judas. So there was only 11. And a few women who were with them. But that small band of people who initially were locked up for fear ended up evangelizing the entire Roman Empire and 300 years later after persecution, after darkness, spread the light of Christ and converted the entire Roman Empire and then spread it throughout the entire world. We always have hope. We always have hope not in ourselves because ourselves are frail, We sometimes are rigid. We sometimes let our light go out. But we have hope always because Jesus has risen from the dead. Because his light will never go out. And we can always go to him to relight our candles. One other note about the light as well is that during the Gloria, you notice kind of a shift in everything, kind of the Gloria, the Old Testament, reading the Old Testament, and then the Gloria kind of began the New Testament, the New Testament where Jesus Christ comes. And it's interesting that all the other lights were lit, except for, I don't know if you noticed, that the altar candles weren't lit yet. That wasn't because the altar servers forgot. Okay? They, they, they remembered, they, they did what was right. They left the altar candles unlit. But when the Gloria happens, when Christ comes, we light the altar candles because the altar of sacrifice, the coming of the Eucharist, is only possible in the fulfillment of Jesus Christ who brings us that continual gift. We'll also have, during, bapti- or during the blessing of the holy water, during, during the blessing of the font and all the holy water there, we'll have a candle next to it. And I'll be saying the prayers, and and certainly I can bless the holy water without one of the candles. What's beautiful is that during this, I can take one of the candles and dip the bottom of the candle into the water at least once, three times, to again signify that Jesus Christ, we are baptized into his baptism. Or we're baptized into his death and resurrection in baptism. And so once again, that candle signifying Christ dying and rising, that we ourselves also underwent in baptism. And so may we just continue to let this liturgy take us. May we continue to notice those things. Of course, I could speak for the next two and a half hours, but we don't want to be here and tell, you know, actual Sunday, right? Um, And so uh, we'll continue to let the liturgy take us, continue to let us form us, continue to notice those things. We do these things, and certain things are in order and, and directed for us to experience salvation history in this liturgy and in our life.